All right, good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you are. My name is Ralph Kova. I'm a very grateful, recovered alcoholic. And uh, man, it was like 7,012 days ago, the power of God separated me from alcohol and all other mind altering substances. And it's been that same power that I've done my best to stay connected to that has kept me sober and clean. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, people say I'm a grateful alcoholic and I used to not understand that. I'm grateful I'm an alcoholic because it brought me back to God. It brought me to the point to my knees where I was seeking God and seeking the power behind the name God. That's what I seek is the power. And, uh, it's Alcoholics Anonymous, pointed me in that direction. I introduced myself as a recovered alcoholic because the book tells me to. It says that the attention should be drawn to the fact that I'm a person who has recovered. This whole Alcoholics Anonymous program for me has been about clearing away everything that's blocking me from the power of God that I may recover and be recovered. The book uses the word recovered like 21 times referring to alcohol. It talks about power. It uses the word power 58 times in the first 164 pages and then another 90 or 100 times throughout the book and the stories. And God is mentioned 142 times in the first 140, 164 pages. So it's pretty much a a spiritual program of action that can get you connected to the power of God that you may be a recovered alcoholic. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with a little reading from a book, um, an unapproved AA literature, if that's okay. The book tells us to be quick to see where religious people are right, make use of what they have to offer. And I have done that. My grand sponsor, when he was alive, Mark Houston turned me on to this gentleman and this particular reading and this book. It's, it's about waking up, about waking up. Spirituality means waking up. Most people, even though they don't know it, are asleep. They are born asleep. They live asleep. They marry in their sleep. They breed children in their sleep. They die in their sleep without ever waking up. They never understand the loveliness and the beauty of this thing we call human existence. You know, all mystics, Catholics, Christian, non-Christian, no matter what their theology, no matter what their religion, are unanimous on one thing, that all is well. All is well. Though everything is a mess, all is well. Strange paradox, to be sure. But tragically, most people never get to see that all is well because they are asleep. They are having a nightmare. Waking up is unpleasant, you know. You are nice and comfortable in bed. It's irritating to be woken up. That's the reason the wise guru will not attempt to wake people up. I hope I'm going to be wise here and make no attempt whatsoever to wake you up if you are asleep. It's really none of my business, even though I may say to you at times, wake up. My business is to do my thing, 
to dance my dance. If you profit from it, fine. If you don't, too bad. As the Arabs say, the nature of rain is the same, but it makes thorns grow in the marshes and flowers in the garden. And that's what this is, a lot of this has been for me. It's been seeking to be awake to where I am, to my surroundings, to my heart, to the power of God, and to find his, a vision for his will, that I may carry that vision into all my activities. Uh, this is a daily thing for me. I mean, alcoholic synonymous isn't some place that I go or someplace I visit a meeting or something that I do once in a while. It has become a way of life for me in the last 19 or and a month or two years. It is, uh, and the book says that this way of living, we think this way of living has its benefits for all. And I believe that. And I've, for the people around me as well, for all the people, if I'm, you know, being uh, even close to what God intended me to be, then the world's a better place because I'm in it. And that's uh, my current grand sponsor tells me that all the time. He said, okay, go out and make the world a better place because you're in it and you're sober. And for all that, I'm so grateful. Uh, I remember my first drink that I remember. I started kind of late. I always think I was about nine, eight or nine years old. <laughs> and it was New Year's Eve. And uh, my parents were having a little get together and they were drinking brandy and eggnog, just having a few drinks on New Year's Eve. And I asked if I could have some. And they had, they said, this is the story goes, they gave me some eggnog. And no, I wanted what they were having. So my stepdad, um, who was kind of loose, said, you know, a little bit won't hurt him. Give Ralphie a little, a little, just a little splash of brandy in his eggnog. And I drank that and I drank it down. And then the last thing I remember that evening was I, I was sneaking into the kitchen, taking drinks out of the ceremony brandy bottle. And it burned, it burned all the way down. And it burned, but it burned good, you know. And so the last thing I remember was going into the kitchen. I remember stumbling and I was, you know, couldn't walk right. And I didn't know what was going on. And I got in the kitchen and I'm tipping the bottle up. And I looked over and my stepdad was standing there with his hands on his hips, shaking his head. And from then on, I don't remember a lot. I remember I got sick. I remember I was throwing up. And I remember my stepdad, the story goes, she put him in his bedroom. And my mom, being mom, wanted to take care of me and give me, you know, a hot, warm cloth. And, and no, he said, leave him, in his, leave him in his bedroom. It'll be best if you just leave him. He's fine. Don't worry about him. And when I came to in the morning, I was in it. I had thrown up in my bed. I had pooped all over myself and in the bed. I was very sick. And uh, I didn't, I kind of remember what happened. That was my first drinking experience. What I do remember is thinking when I got up and I got my sea legs and I got cleaned up, had to clean my bed, remake my bed. I remember thinking that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm going to do that every chance I get. I like that. You know, and hindsight, that's not normal. So you can fast forward. 40, 39 years or so, 
and use your imagination. And anything you can imagine, I might have done. Because I had a long uh, battle with this alcohol and alcoholism. I didn't know what it was. I thought alcoholism was when it interfered in your life, that it made something you know wrong. If you couldn't do something because you're drinking, then maybe you're an alcoholic. I had no idea. I, I remember stopping many times. I could stop. I was a good stopper. <laughs> but I had no power, no access to any power. I, I didn't have a God in my life when it came to alcoholism. I always believed in God. I listened for God. I trusted God. And I got a lot of guidance throughout my life. But I never applied it to alcohol or my alcoholism. I remember stopping and telling my wife more than once, I will never drink again. I promise, I beg of you, please let me back in bed. <laughs> and she actually believed me a few times because I was telling the truth. I was sincere. I wanted to stop, I needed to stop. And I stopped and the people around me we come up to, you know, in a couple of days, four days, five days later, and they go, you're looking good, man. I don't know what you're doing, but you should keep doing it. You're looking really good. Really proud of you, Ralph. You're not drinking. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I'm feeling crazy like a raccoon. I'm flipping out. I'm very irritable. I'm very restless. And I'm really discontent. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't use those words at the time. But I knew what the solution was. The solution for me was a drink. It was it, a drink. I'll feel better. All I need to do is sneak a drink or two. Boom. Ah. I remember going to get the drink and having the drink in my hand unopened and feeling better already without even putting it in my system. Once I put it in my system, there was no telling what would happen. There's no telling where I'd end up, no telling how long it would be. <clears throat> and I'd sneak, I sneaked around, sneaked around. Are you drinking? My wife says, are you drinking? And I go, no, no, I'm having an old duels. And I made sure to have old duels. I tried to perfect the lies, the lies, the lies, constantly lying. <laughs> This went on for years and years. I remember, I don't know if any of you, any of you ever woken up in your driveway in the dirt with hair, dirt in your hair and with your knees down to your pants and sun burning in your face and you're all sweaty and you're sick to your stomach and you don't know how you got there? Ross has. I don't know. That happened to me a couple of times. I remember, you know, looking in my pocket for a matchbook when they had matches and looking for the matchbook cover, see where I'd been. Where's my car? Car's gone. I, I guess I got a ride home or my wife came and got me. It got to the point where I couldn't drink and I couldn't not drink. And the, one of the last times I, I drank, um, I'll tell you one more, one more drunk story. I driving down the road. I was, uh, 
my wife and I played music for a living for about 20 years. We traveled all around the country on a circuit and played music and got paid. And I found the people in town that I needed to find to get what I wanted to get so I could be a, what I thought was happy, joyous, and free. <laughs> and we came off the road. I jumped on a truck. I got so sick and so drunk before that. We came off the road. I got thrown out of the house. I went and got a job over the road truck driver. And about four years into it, I call it my last four-year drunk. I was uh, pulled into a rest area, or not a rest area, pulled into a restaurant, a bar restaurant, to end the night. And I already I've been drinking all day, sipping, trying to pace myself trying to pace myself. When I pace myself and I try to control my drinking, it wasn't good. When I let myself go, it wasn't good. It never ended up well at that point. The last thing I remember was pulling into the parking lot. I don't really remember going in. The next thing I remember was coming to in the truck with the truck on cruise control with 80,000 pounds going down the freeway. I had stopped in Eastern New Mexico, and I was in Western Arizona now. The sun was coming up, it was getting light. I was cruising on cruise control at 76 miles an hour on the phone, talking to my wife. I couldn't see out of one eye. I couldn't open this eye. And I, I went like this and it popped it open. There was dried blood on my eye from my forehead. Have you ever had rolled in the dirt where your hair is so dirty and, and dusty and just dirt? That's my hair was all sticking up. My partial plate was gone. And I'm telling my wife some cockamamie story about how I uh, got to where I got. I said, I got to go. I got to go. And my heart's in my throat. And I got my eye open and I'm looking in the mirror and I, I'm starting to breathe. Finally, get a breath. And the first thought that entered my mind was I hope I saved a drink. I need a drink. And I reached down in my little stash place and pulled out about eight shots of Jack Daniels. And I chug lugged it, chug lugged it, chug lugged it. And I did the, <sighs> that was weird. That's not normal, okay? That isn't what a normal person does. I think that's what an alcoholic does. And shortly after that, I pulled into a rest area and I got alcohol on my breath. It was a, uh, between the states, you pull in there to give them your paperwork and they look at your permits and they let you go. Well, this lady smelled alcohol. She called the state trooper. The state trooper showed up and had me do a breathalyzer. And I, I don't know, it was way high. I don't know what it was way over. He looked at me and he looked at that thing again. He scratches it. He goes, how much have you been drinking? I said, I haven't been drinking anything, sir. When's the last time you had a drink? And I thought real quick, eight hours, eight hours. It's been over eight hours, you know? He goes, well, you're, you're blue off the dial here. Let's do that again. So I blew off the dial again. Well, I made this cockamamie story about the doctor told me my liver didn't process alcohol like a normal person and I shouldn't drink at all. Well, he made me do the sobriety test with the finger and walking and I passed everything just fine because I was feeling normal. You know, I just was had drank enough to function that morning. He said, I'll tell you what, 
either you can pay an enormous fine or I'm going to take you to jail. And this was in Shelby, Mon Wisconsin, uh, not Montana, Wyoming, Shelby, Wyoming. I said, I'll pay the fine, sir. Do you take credit cards? <laughs> it was like $900 or a thousand dollar fine. And they ran the credit card, it printed a check. I signed him, gave him the money. And he's, can you back that truck up over there in that slot? I said, I can back this truck wherever you want me to go. He said, I'm gonna take your license, give it to the waymaster in there for 24 hours, and then you can go. And I was so grateful for that, that that happened. I had a little dog with me. I backed into the slot, I pulled the curtains on the truck, I turned around and I was facing the bunk in the truck, the sleeper. My knees kind of started shaking. My knees got weak. I kind of was falling to the floor. My, I put my hands together, my elbows hit the bunk, my knees hit the floor, my head hit my hands. And I said, God, God, please, please God help me. That was my bottom. That was it. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I couldn't keep drinking and I couldn't not drink. And I didn't know that all I had to do was ask the power of God to come in and help me. And I was willing. I was honest about it. I was willing to take help. And I haven't had a drink since then. I floated around out there for another week or two, came back, got fired because they got reported that I had alcohol in my system, alcohol in the truck. Came back and I went to treatment and they referred me to a Wednesday night men's meeting by where I lived. I went up there. I, I got, they gave me a book. I followed the directions in the book. I recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Now, I believe that I'm still an alcoholic. Everything I've read in this beautiful Alcoholics Anonymous book says I'm still an alcoholic and I can probably never drink successfully. But the miracle is I don't have to drink. I don't have to drink anymore. I don't want to drink anymore. If God wants to be drunk, I'm probably drunk. If I stay close to God and feel his power through me into the lives of others, I have a pretty good day. I even tried to get drunk once. I remember uh, my wife was, when I first got sober, I was going to a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings, because it was working. Not the meetings. Meeting makers make it. Did you hear that? Meeting make, meetings don't treat alcoholism. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous freed me from what I wasn't. It removed everything that I wasn't. It got rid of the, what was blocking me so I could be in the sunlight of the spirit and have the power of God come into my life. My spiritual condition, the maintenance of my spiritual condition is, what, is how I stay sober. Meeting makers don't necessarily make it. I know a lot of meeting makers that didn't make it. Um, somebody read, uh, I think it was Stephen read how it works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. I uh, personally, I have never seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Most people 
don't thoroughly follow the path. They'll do a few steps or they'll get to their amends. They'll make a few amends. Maybe they'll sponsor somebody. Maybe they won't. They don't finish all their amends and they stop doing what got them sober in the first place. It's honest, willing, and open-minded to do anything you need to do. And Alcoholics Anonymous has shown me things that I never would have believed in my life. I get to be an agent for God today. Right before the third step, they're describing the third step. Since he is the principal, we are his agent. I looked up, I have a 1935 dictionary, and the definition for agent in 1935 was one who acts especially for another. The current one, the current definition, I looked it up, one who is authorized to act for another. So I get to act for God. And people look at me like, oh, you know, you shouldn't talk like that. Well, I should talk like that. I have recovered and been given the power to help others. I've seen people come alive. I've seen souls saved in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've seen lives changed. I've seen relationships mended. I've seen lights come on in people's eyes where there were no lights on when they came in. This is a very sacred place to me, Alcoholics Anonymous. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I got to decide today, which shirt should I wear? You know, should I wear my nice one or should I wear the really nice one? Instead of my old rag t-shirts that I came to you with. And there's lots of examples, how many, much things have gotten better. Um, What time am I supposed to speak till? Can someone give me a clue? Like 10 to six? Or 10 to be 10 to eight your time? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Thanks, Eric. So I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love what it does for other people. I love seeing the lights come on. I have had some real tragic things happen to me in Alcoholics Anonymous since I've been sober. I think it was 2011. I was off the beam one morning. I don't know how it happened. I know if I go back and look at where I started my day, that's usually where I go off, if I don't start my day with prayer and meditation every day. This is a daily thing. It talks about doing this every day upon awakening. Each morning, we ask God to show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. And it says in our morning meditation, it talks about upon awakening. It talks about in the evening for our evening review, when we retire at night. It's every day. It says this this should continue for our lifetime, the first part of step 10. So I did something or I didn't do something. Usually uh, I'm off the beam. A large branch, actually it was half of the tree, fell on my tool shed and scattered the shed and the tools all over my yard. And I'm out there and I got the chainsaw and I'm cussing the tree. Okay, I'm mad at the tree. (laughs) And I'm trying to get the brush off the broken shed I'm piling up the brush and I need to burn the brush because it's getting too big and I'm looking for some diesel I can't find any diesel I find a jug that has something in it a little bit of thick smells like turpentine I don't know if it's chainsaw mix old thick napalm or something I poured it I poured it over the brush pile that I've just been trying to get lit apparently there was a flame in the 
brush pile still. It flared up, flared up backwards. I backed up and fell and the can went up in the air and the flame got the can. I spilled it on me. The flames got on me and I proceeded to catch on fire. I rolled in the dirt and I stopped and poof, I'm still on fire. And I'm screaming like a girl, like a little girl. Ah, ah, ah. My wife is chasing me across the yard as I'm rolling. I stopped and looked up and I'm still on fire. My shirt's on fire. I take my sleeveless shirt off and throw it across the yard. I roll again and I'm thinking this might be it. I just might die. And I went into prayer. I went, I thought, God, God, I didn't get much out, but I remember thinking, God, God's got my back. Okay, I'm more ready than I've ever been. And I stopped rolling and I looked up and my wife is crying. She said, Are you okay? Are you okay? And I actually said, Am I out? She, she said, Yeah. I said, Then I'm, I'm golden. I'm good. I ended up in a, emergency room, uh, critical care, UC Davis intensive care unit for about three weeks. And I had so many people come in there and pray with me and pray for me and visitors. I had no idea how many people actually cared. They said, you help me, man. What can I do for you? Ross came to see me. Ross brought me goodies, brought friends of his. We all prayed together. I woke up one time and one of my friends in AA was laying over the top of me praying. I have uh, got burned like 20% of my body. I have skin grafts all over my arms and took skin off my legs and put it on my arms. And I recovered from that. In three weeks, they had to throw me out and said it what they were projecting to be three months up to six months. And it was a miracle. I got to tell the doctor said, what, what, is, I can't explain this. I said, God did. God does the healing. I showed up and God took care of it. I showed up to God, open-minded, willing, prayer, and God healed me. It's a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. Well, they, she couldn't write that down on the chart. Okay, she wasn't <laughs> going to write that down. So she wrote accelerated healing. And that works for me. Um, 2014, in a wildfire, my house burned down to the ground. We got run out of the house 10 minutes before the fire got there. We got two cars, all of our animals, two guitars, my wife's jewelry box, and we split and the fire chased us out. Took everything but the clothes on our back and what we got out of there. I, had, I remember thinking I got two choices. I can go buy. The biggest bottle, I've seen him now, the big bottle of square Jack Daniels. It looks like a half a gallon bottle. And drink, go out there, get in that, drink the whole thing. Because maybe get two, because one wouldn't be enough. Or I can go out there and sit in the ashes with this book. And I knew what, I, I knew what the answer was. I went out there and sat in the ashes and opened this book. To step 10. And I remember praying and reading and I following the instructions in step 10. There's all kinds of promises in step 10. You know, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it.
I have to have spirit flow through me 24 hours a day. And I, I mean, it does anyway, but I have to recognize it. I have to be aware of that. And when I sat in the ashes, I read that <laughs> where it starts to step 10, this thought brings us to step 10, we could, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory. A lot of promises in here, 10 step promises. We continue to take personal inventory and set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, it doesn't say if. It says when these crop up. We ask God to remove them at once. We discuss them with someone immediately. We make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we could help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. That includes fire. That includes loss. Anything. Even alcohol. We seldom will be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. See, I didn't do this. I realized early on my first fourth step that I didn't have to drink anymore, and I had very little to do with it. The obsession had already been lifted from me. I couldn't lift it. The power of God being connected to God in my heart and walking with God, man, I got my arm around his big old leg. He's got my back. I have the armor of God in front, and I can take anything. He did it. They did it. The power did it. I had very little to do with this. It had happened automatically. I will see that my new attitude toward liquor had been given to me without any thought or effort on my part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. I am not fighting it. Neither am I avoiding temptation. I feel as though I have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for me. I'm neither cocky nor afraid. That is my experience. This is how I relax, react so long as I keep in fit spiritual condition. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. Anybody done that before? I have. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured from alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve, reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. This is one of my prayers in the morning. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will be done, not mine. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along these lines all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. It took me a while to get that. I turned my will and my life over to the care of God. I decided to do that in step three. And then by going through step four through nine, I literally turned my will, my thoughts, and my life, my actions over to the care of God. 
I didn't give it to God. I let God care for it. Like John Charlie, Charlie says, I, when I take my car to the mechanic, I turn my car over to his care. I don't give him my car. <laughs> I turn it over to the care of my mechanic. And he does what he does. And I come get my car back when it's fixed. Well, steps four through nine removed from me everything that was blocking me from the power, from the spirit of the universe, from the sunlight of the spirit, and allowed me to align my will with God's will. Step 10 for me is a line of the will. If I do God's will, if my will is in line with God's will, that is the proper use of the will. I don't always know what God's will is, but I know what it isn't. It's very obvious what it isn't. Lying, cheating, stealing, taking something that isn't yours, sneaking around, selfish self-centeredness that we think is the root of our problem. I thought alcohol was my problem. Alcohol was a symptom. Alcohol was my solution to what I thought was everything for being sad, for being glad, for finishing a project, for starting a project, <laughs> waking up in the morning, right before I went to bed at night and all everything in between. My solution today is God. The power behind the name, I like to say. God is used a lot and some people cringe and they, oh, it means something different to everybody. Well, seek the power behind the name, whatever you want to call it. I love it when uh, Abby told Bill, well, you know, come up with your own God, whatever you think God is to you, you know, seek your own God. Abby was kind of given up, I think, but he, but he gave him the message. He gave Bill the message and thank God for Bill and for Bob. Uh, my lineage, about eight people up the chain goes to Dr. Bob. And he was like the 12 step in prince, man. He, he was the prince of the 12 steps. I go through the steps every year from one through nine. It's different every year. I have a new spiritual experience on an annual basis every time I do that. I can't live on the spiritual experience I had when I first recovered. I'd be trying to live on the food that I ate a week ago. I have to do it daily. I have to have new and wonderful deep ex spiritual experiences to keep me hooked up, hooked up to the power of God and just to, to be willing to come do stuff like this with you, with you wonderful people. I want to thank you all for having me to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We thank Josh for asking. Thank Eric for sharing. Okay. And uh, if you are new here, know that you never have to drink again, but you have to show up. You have to suit up. You have to follow directions and you have to finish all your amends. When it says we make amends to them all, not some, to all. If you have some unfinished amends, you might have some uneasiness. And working with others when all else fails will surely work. 
God bless you guys. Thank you very much.